0: Airbnb. It's wedding season. Yes, it is. What's going on, baby? Alex and I just got invited to a beautiful venue for the wedding of a childhood buddy of mine. Lovely. Can't wait to hear about it. We got babysitters. We're all set to go. And the first thing that you did, Jack? Book a hotel for the wedding. Okay. Second thing that you did? List my place as available that weekend on Airbnb. Millions of people host on Airbnb, but millions more have never even thought about hosting. Here's the thing. We've said it's great to make money while you sleep. Actually, Warren Buffett said that. Well, when you're an Airbnb host host. You make money while you sleep and while someone else sleeps. That's why anytime I'm traveling, I immediately jump into Airbnb and set my house as available. It's that easy. So, Yetis, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by Audible, the home of storytelling. Protect her. That's from the opening chapter of The Last Thing He Told Me. Or is it protect To protect her. And honestly, we shouldn't say anymore. Let's stop we'll there. Listen to the whole audiobook on Audible while driving in the car on road trips. And you should too. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash tboy or text tboy to 500-500. That's audible.com slash tboy or text tboy to 500 This is Nick. This is Jack. It's Thursday, the new Friday, February 1st. And today's pod, it is the best one yet. It's a T-Boy. The top three pop business news stories you need to know today. And we got an extra day on this month, don't we, Jack? Happy February. It's a leap year. So there's 29 days this year. First story for today's show. What do we got, Jack? For our first story, it's Zoom. Z-U-M. It's the Tesla of school buses. And it just hit a $1.3 billion valuation. Because the big transportation network in America, it's school buses. For our second story, it's 23andMe. The pioneer of DNA testing has fallen 98% since going public. Jack, what went wrong with 23andMe? We call it the Macarena Problem. The Macarena Problem. And our third and final story is the largest investment fund in the world. It's the Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund. And the people of Norway just enjoyed their biggest profit ever. But besties, before we hit that wonderful mix of stories. Wonderful mix of stories. Love the mix today, Jack. Nick, can we talk about the EE Ward moving and storage business? We can talk about the EE Ward moving and storage business today. They're based in North Carolina and Ohio. And they do moving and storage all across the east of the United States. Jack and I jumped in T Boy style, pretty straightforward business model. They're moving and storage as a business. But E.E. E. Ward's history is not simple at all. Because Yetis, this business happens to go back to the 1840s. The company began in the 1840s with six horses. One wagon and two strong men. And that's not even the wildest part. Jack, what else we got on these guys? According to the Department of Commerce, E.E. Ward is America's oldest black-owned business. E.E. Ward is the longest continuously operated black-owned company in the country. Because E.E. Ward began in the 1840s, 20 years before the Civil War. Oh, and then here's actually the best part about this company. E.E. Ward didn't start in the logistics business They started in the liberation business. Because this moving company was actually a part of the Underground Railroad. They used their moving business as a disguise so they could transport slaves north to freedom. Jack, how's that as a founder story? Here's their founder story. A hundred years ago, our first service, was emancipation. After the Civil War, when slavery was abolished, they pivoted to moving in storage, which they still do today. And they're still owned and they're still run by that same Ward family that goes all the way back to the 1800s. E.E. Ward moving in storage, the oldest Black-owned business in America. And it was a critical stretch of the legendary and historic Underground Railroad. Yetis, it's February 1st. Happy Black History Month out there. Celebrate the wins. Jack, let's hit our three stories. Fifteen years before this, song two boys from the northeast met in the dorm they had an idea to cause a cultural storm it's the best one yet but the best is the norm jack nick that's it i don't even think they need to practice 50 percent, that's a fat tip t-boy city on your at list if you know you know because we ready to go we can't wait no more so just start the show start the show For our first story, Zoom, Z-U-M, just hit a $1 billion valuation for a smart electric school bus. But this startup can't move fast, and it definitely can't break things. All right, Jack, I'm going to whip out a classic single for you. Tell me the year. The wheels on the bus go round and round. I sing that to Wilder like every other morning, but it was actually written way back in 1937. Funny thing, Jack, uh, school buses haven't changed since then either. They're still as yellow as a grilled cheese sandwich. Hey, Eddie, as you get into a school bus these days, yeah, they still got the bench seating with like the torn brown vinyl with some kind of mushroom coming out of it, you know? Those windows are so tough to open. You got to have like your whole body. You got to use two hands, both fingers. You need a spotter. It's like, buddy, Timmy, you got to help us out. A couple of eighth graders are making out in the back. What's going on back there? Oh, and by the way, the window, it only goes down three inches. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But that is why we discovered one startup called Zoom that is trying to reinvent the school bus. With electrification and with technology. Now, these Zoom school buses, they're already on the roads in San Francisco, L.A., Oakland, Seattle, Chicago, Nashville. There's 4,000 schools using this private unicorn company to bring their kids to and from school. Which leads to the news. Zoom just raised $140 million from top venture capital firms to continue growing, and they reached a $1.3 billion valuation. And why is venture capital seeing such a big market opportunity in school buses, Jack? Because school buses, think about it. It's the largest transportation system in the country. Sorry, New York City subway. The school buses are bigger. There's more kiddos out there than there are commuters. But yet here's what Jack and I found fascinating about this story. Zoom is actually two tech transportation companies in one. Zoom is both the Tesla for school buses, and the Uber for school buses. First, like Uber, they use a mobile app for parents so you can get real-time GPS tracking of your babies on those school buses. Yeah, so in the morning, you can be like the bus is two blocks away. Hey, little Liam, it's time to get out there. You got to be on the sidewalk with your backpack. Get out, get out the door. (laughs) I can see it, it's in the app. Get out of the door, leave the house. You're going to be late. Well, Zoom is also like Uber because it deploys different vehicles for different jobs. If one of the bus routes has 100 kids that need to be picked up, they'll use a school bus. But if the bus route only has 10 kids, they'll use one of their vans. Okay, but it's not just like Uber. Zoom is also like Tesla because the vehicles are covered in cameras. Zoom school buses have front-facing cameras. That give the driver a safety score depending on how safely they drove. If driver Danny rolls through a stop sign, then Zoom docks their driver's score. Yeah, they're using AI to calculate that. And Zoom is also like Tesla because it wants to end fossil fuels. Their goal is to be fully electric with all their school buses and vans by 2027. Honestly, it sounds like Zoom's founder is Miss <laughs> Frizzle from the Magic School Bus <laughs> Jack. <laughs> Liam, you're not taking a school bus to school. You're taking a unicorn. But here's the (laughs) funny thing, Yetis. Zoom hasn't quite reached all of these goals yet. And that is because of our takeaway. No yelling on the bus. So Jack, what's the takeaway for our buddies over at Zoom? When a business involves kids, there's going to be speed bumps. Yet, in many ways, the market opportunity for Zoom feels like Uber. They're disrupting an old-fashioned and fragmented market of school buses. But disrupting school buses is actually completely different than disrupting taxis. (laughs) Because when you're disrupting school buses, uh, you cannot move fast and you absolutely cannot break things. Since there's children involved... Bus drivers have to get a commercial driver license, they have to pass a background test, and they have to pass a drug test. And since kids are involved, they can't use independent contractors, they must hire drivers as employees and pay benefits, unlike Uber. These strict requirements for bus drivers is why Zoom is having some growing pains, like struggling to find enough bus drivers. So besties, add it all up, and Zoom just hit a $1.3 billion valuation to disrupt school buses, just like Uber disrupted taxis. But unlike Uber, Zoom faces speed bumps. Because when there's kids involved, there's speed speed bumps. bumps. (laughs) Yeah, there's speed bumps. (laughs) No moving fast and no breaking things. For our second story, 23andMe, the DNA testing pioneer, its stock has dropped 98% since they went public just two years ago. 23andMe's biggest problem is the Macarena problem. But Jack, in order to tell this story, can we go back to 2017 and can you tell us Oprah's favorite thing? Oprah's favorite thing in 2017 was the 23andMe DNA test. Oprah was all over that thing. She was loving spinning into that too. 23andMe normalized the at-home DNA test. You could find out your ancestry. 99 bucks, send in your saliva, boom, you find out your hidden family history and a couple creepy cousins. Yeah, it was like genetic roulette. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Genetic, really. That's a good way to put it. Are you 4% Finnish, French, or Fijian? It makes for great cocktail conversation. Nick, aren't you 0 to 3% Turkish? (laughs) I was going (laughs) to (laughs) <laughs> I found out it was 2% Turkish. It like explains why I love donor kebab so much. Yeah, ever since then, Nick's been like, is it just me or is it hot as a kebab in here? You can round up when it comes to 23andMe, Jack. You can round up. But here's the update. 23andMe has become a riches to rags Silicon Valley story. 23andMe's valuation has gone from $6 billion at its high to nearly $0 now. Because 23andMe never profited. They're running out of money now, and bankruptcy is possible as soon as this year. Add it all up, and the stock of 23andMe has fallen 98%. I didn't see that in their DNA. But yet is, the Wall Street Journal did a deep dive on 23andMe, and frankly, the founder of 23andMe may be one of the most interesting people we've ever heard of. Her name is Ann Wojcicki, and guess what? She had a Barbie doll made after her. In fact, Ann has one of the most brilliant marketing moves we've ever heard of, and it's called the spit party. Here's the spit party. She'd invite a bunch of celebrities over to her house, and ask them to spit into a 23andMe tube and then share their DNA results live at the party. And then boom, they're bringing out like the hors d'oeuvres and she goes, uh, Carly turns out your cousin's with Richard Branson. Anne happened to be married to Sergey Brin, by the way, the co-founder of Google for about 12 years. And Anne's sister happened to build and run YouTube for nine years. And she has a Barbie doll too. Not too shabby, Wojcicki family. The Wojcicki's are some of the most powerful women in the history of tech. But yeah, that is when you jump into this Wall Street Journal profile of Ann's company, 23andMe, it shows that problems are stewing. Like the huge data breach 23andMe suffered last year. Seven million accounts got hacked over a 23andMe. It's one thing if a hacker has your DOB. It's another thing if they have your DNA. Now, Yetis, that major hack, that is one reason why 23andMe stock has fallen 98%. The other reason is our takeaway. Jack, what's the takeaway for our buddies over at 23andMe? 23andMe's fundamental challenge is the same as the Macarena. Yetis, Jack and I are looking at the situation and it appears that 23andMe is a one-hit wonder company. Like the song Macarena, they may have a one-hit wonder product. Los Del Rio is the musicians behind the Macarena. And just like Los Del Rio, 23andMe created More than just one song. For example, 23andMe did buy a telehealth company called Lemonade. And 23andMe sells data on their DNA to pharmaceutical companies to try to develop drugs. And 23andMe is even working to develop their own drugs that they could sell one day from their own telehealth company. But just like Los Del Rio... None of those new songs of 23andMe's have been popular. 23andMe's Macarena was their original $99 DNA test that everyone loved. But that turned out to be a one-hit wonder product, just like the Macarena. Canva. Yet is in sports as in business, if you look good, you feel good, and you'll play good. That's why we love Canva. It's simply the best online graphic design software we've ever used. Neither one of us are designers, and yet both of us have created beautiful designs for our business using Canva. We designed our merch on Canva. We designed our social posts on Canva. We designed the signs for our T-Boy Live show on Canva. True story. Oh, and Canva isn't just for startups or entrepreneurs either, because 90% of Fortune 500 companies now use Canva. But it definitely is for startups like us, the T-Boy Podcast Media Company. Our creative director literally said, She cannot live without Canva. And we believe her. It'll make your business look good, which will make you feel good, and you'll perform better. So Yeti, start designing today at Canva.com. Canva, designed for work. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Yetis, how good is the feeling of finally getting something off your chest? You've been wanting to say it. You've been waiting to say it. But you bottle it up. In Waspy, Vermont, where I grew up, we didn't talk much about our problems. We were encouraged to keep them to yourself. Yetis, bottling up your feelings is just horrible for you because eventually it blows up with an outburst. And then while it's stewing, it makes your whole stomach feel terrible. We encourage you to get it off your chest. what you tell your therapist remains completely confidential. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash T-Boy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash T-Boy. For our third and final story, the biggest stock investment fund on earth, guess what? It's over in Norway. Norway's sovereign wealth fund just delivered its biggest profit ever. Jack, if we're going to talk about Norway's huge fund, can you tell us the definition of the word fernioid? I do not know what fernioid means. Fernioid is actually Norwegian for satisfied. As in, Norwegians are satisfied fernioid with their sovereign wealth fund, which is worth $1.6 trillion. Sovereign wealth funds are hard for Americans to understand because we have trillions of national debt. But Norway has $1.6 trillion in national wealth. And all that wealth is in their Norwegian wealth fund. They like cross-country skiing and they like cross-market trading. But Jack, when it comes to Norway's $1.6 trillion fund, can you sprinkle on some context for us over there? Well, Harvard's endowment fund is $50 billion. It's the biggest of all universities. Can you sprinkle on some more context, please? Saudi Arabia has a sovereign wealth fund worth $700 billion. How about a little more context? What do you got, man? Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway is a publicly traded stock portfolio worth $800 billion. Yeah, he's not sure if you've been keeping track, but Norway's fund is double the The value of Berkshire Hathaway and double the value of Saudi Arabia's fund. And 32 times the value of Harvard University. And how have they been doing the last few years over at the Norwegian Fund, Jack? The value has tripled in the past decade. In fact, Yetis, Norway just announced that their national fund had its best year ever. It grew 16% in value last year, which means $213 billion in gains. That's $42,000 for every Norwegian citizen. Just in the gains. It's crazy. Hey, we know what you're wondering here. Um, Why does the petite country of Norway have this massive fund? Why have they had this huge fund since the 1990s? Because low key, they're actually a huge oil producer the 13th biggest in the world, and they invest away all their oil profits like a disciplined Viking financial advisor. And that is why Norway loves two things. They love fjords and they love funds. And every single Norwegian citizen owns a tiny slice of that sovereign wealth fund. Now yet Jack and I jumped into the numbers T-boy style, Norway has the most transparent financial fund we have ever seen before. If you go to the website, they very clearly say all the assets that are invested in and a real-time update the value of the whole fund. That's how we found out that Norway owns 2% of all the stock in all of the companies on planet Earth right now. 2% of all the stock on planet Earth is owned by Norway's Sovereign Wealth Fund. That's how big it is. Norway owns stock in 8,500 different companies across 70 different countries right now. And they got a pretty risky portfolio. 70% of their money is in stocks, 27% in bonds, 2% in real estate, and 1% in renewable energy assets. And we know what you're wondering. What are the biggest holdings of the Norwegian stock fund? The same as all of our biggest holdings. It's the super six-pack of tech stocks. It's Apple, Microsoft, Meta, Alphabet, Amazon, and NVIDIA. Norway's chief financial officer, Olaf the Snowman, approves of those tech companies. So, Jack, what's the takeaway for our cross-country skiing buddies over, over in Norway? Norway's sovereign wealth fund shows how great investing is like an orange tree. Yetis, here's how you can think of this Norwegian investment. The $1.6 trillion in this fund, that's the tree. The roots, the branches, that's the core of the fund. The $200 billion in profits this year, that's the fruit. Those are the oranges that grew on the tree over the past year. Now, interestingly, Norway limits how much money they take from their fund to just 3% every year. That's the max. They use that 3% to fund government services. But no matter how much fruit grows, they'll never take more than 3% for an annual harvest. Now how Norway could take a greater percentage of money out and solve a lot of problems that could be fixed right now in Norway. They could take out $100 billion and just write a check for every Norwegian citizen. But that would be like cutting off a branch. They'd get short-term wood, but long-term less fruit. So Norway's massive fund shows the power of investing is like an orange tree. Norway only takes the fruit. Which are the gains. They never take the branches. Which is the principle. jack can you whip up the takeaways for us for the new friday zoom is a startup trying to reinvent the school bus but they face some speed bumps because when kids are involved there is no moving fast and there is no breaking things for our second story it's 23andme it's fallen in valuation from 6 billion dollars. To just $350 million. It Looks like 23andMe had the Macarena problem, a one-hit wonder product. And our third and final story is Norway's Sovereign wealth Fund. They had their best year ever, gaining $213 billion in value. Yetis, the Norwegians, never touched the tree, which is the principle of the fund. They just harvest the fruit. They just take the gains. But Yetis, this pod's not over yet. Here's what else you need to know today. First, according to the IMF, the United States had the best economic growth of the G7 nations last year by far. And next year, we're projected to be number one again, also by far. And second, Mark Zuckerberg and other social media execs got grilled by the U.S. Senate yesterday. The subject was harm done to children online. And Zuck actually turned around and apologized to the parents who were standing in the audience. And finally, it's Call Her Daddy. The podcast is no longer exclusive to Spotify. You can now listen after three years anywhere. Spotify's walled garden exclusive strategy is now open to all. Now time for the best fact yet, yeah, this one whipped up by Jack and me. Well, frame it as a trivia question. Why do Americans honor Black History Month? in February because if we're looking at the calendar MLK Day was in January Juneteenth is in June how did February end up with Black History Month the answer is Frederick Douglass. The 19th century black abolitionist was born in February, and that is what led to Black History Month this month. The former slave, Frederick Douglass, actually became an advisor to President Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War. Yetis, if you have got a Black History Month fact, we want to hear it, and you can send it to us. We can even get your voice on this podcast. Submit your best fact yet in the form that we have linked in this episode description. Oh, We also got a link on our website. Go to tboypod.com. We want to get your best fact yet. Yetis, you are looking fantastic for the new Friday. And if you haven't yet, you can click to follow us so you get the best one yet every single day. Nick and I got one more episode before the weekend. It's gonna be the best one yet. You're gonna feel annoyed Nick and I will see you there. Can't wait. and before we go a happy birthday to Rob Stigler who's enjoying the last year of his 30s down in Wilmington, Delaware happy birthday to Isaac Alish who just celebrated an anniversary and a birthday in Nigeria and Jenica Reyes is moving in with her girlfriend over in the hate down the street in San Francisco she attended our live show in San Francisco I think I remember her I think I remember her too she was the best yeti yet, yet. <laughs> and <laughs> Nick Silva and Stephanie Hidalgo met at USC four and a half years ago and these Trojans just got engaged. They're parting hard right now down in San Diego. Send us some ring pics and celebrate that win. This is Jack. I own stock of Amazon and Berkshire Hathaway, and Nick and I both own stock of Apple. So I ever tell you when our school bus stopped in the Bronx once and Fat Joe the Rapper got on? Why? What? what? He just got on, waved his hands, he got off, and we didn't even know what happened. Did you know it was Fat Joe the Rapper? Oh, we knew it was Fat Joe the Rapper. If you like the best one yet, you can listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. And before you go, tell us a little bit about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. We want to get to know you. Nick and Jack here. want to quickly tell you about the show, Business Wars. With the launch of ChatGPT, Sam Altman and OpenAI reinvigorated our imaginations and fears of a world with artificial intelligence. While the company looked like a stunning success from the outside, a battle was brewing within. Almost a year after launching ChatGPT, that battle erupted into a war when the company fired its charismatic CEO, Sam Altman. From Wondery, Business Wars is a podcast about the biggest corporate rivalries of all time. And in the newest season, host David Brown digs into the philosophical differences within open AI that culminated in Sam Altman's shocking firing and what it means for the future and safety of AI in the modern world. Follow Business Wars on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And for more deep dive and daily business content, listen on Wondery, the destination for business podcasts. With shows like How I Built the business wars, the best one yet, business movers, and many more. Wondery means business.